You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Bible, Lord, that my little boy can 
dismissed uh, all the children if you'd like to go back and uh, happy Father's Day to everyone turn in your Bibles please to 2nd Corinthians 618 go to 2nd Corinthians 618 uh, I, I don't honestly I don't really have like a main number one verse it's really just a, a more of a topic a topic obviously of Father's Day and things like that. So, let me begin. Uh, I've had a problem with the idea of preaching on Father's Day. And uh, when I was I was on vacation, uh, I was in Mexico. I got a text that said, "Hey, Ryan, add these dates to your uh, add these dates to your calendar. And these are the days I'll be gone. These are the days and things and so on like that." Our pastor is at a conference in Tennessee. And he is just on his way. He's coming back today. Uh, so, by the way, that's where our pastor is. And uh, at a conference in Tennessee. And why don't you text him and say, hey, uh, we miss you. And, and we love you. And uh, we certainly miss you when you're gone. Uh, let's be an encouragement to our pastor while he's gone. Take this, take this time to do so. And then uh, uh, he's coming back today. Am I, right? Okay, thank you. I double check. But anyway, the problem is that I have with preaching on Father's Day is the requirement. Uh, the requirement that I do not meet, that I am not a father. And uh, I thought for a long time, I seriously, I've got I got this close to texting pastor saying, why don't you ask someone else who's a father? Because I'm I'm not. And uh, and I thought, you know, especially in you can include spiritual warfare. I thought some pretty bad thoughts. Everybody's going to be disappointed when they know Ryan's preaching. He's not a dad. What's he going to say? You know what? And 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 really, I was brought down pretty low, saying, uh, "You you you can't teach, can't preach today." You know, and maybe you should send people to other churches. Maybe they should watch another church online. You're not a father. And I texted people, and I, and I let people know. The first person, Abby, was sitting next to me. I said, oh, oh, no, oh, no. She said, what? And I said, that's Father's Day. Does he know that's Father's Day? He, he asked me to preach on Father's Day. I, I don't think I can do that. And, uh, and so on. And I, and I asked um, people around. I texted people advice. I, I talked to my coworkers. I talked to a, a lady at work. I, I know... She doesn't know God as her Savior. And she gave me the same response as other people gave me. Talked to my parents. Said, I, you know, Mom, I don't think, I feel kind of awkward. I think Pastor should ask someone else. Everybody gave me the same answer. They said, Ryan, you're a son, aren't you? I said, yeah, 
Yeah, I've been a son. I've been a son for like 28 years. I've always been a son. And from the time I drew my first breath, I've, I've been a son. All right. And my coworker, my coworker, who doesn't know Jesus as her Savior, she said, Ryan, like, isn't God your father? And I said, yeah. Yeah, he is. God is my father. And I needed to remind myself of that. And I even texted Miss Melanie just yesterday. And Miss Melanie said, praying for you, Ryan, you, you can do this. And I said, Melanie, I'm, I'm, I, I feel kind of out of place. I feel kind of awkward. I feel like people are going to be disappointed. And she said the same thing. She said, Ryan, you are a son. Your, your heavenly father is always with you. And you, you, you know, you have something to speak. I said, all right. Well, you know, I, and I, I even wrote in my notes, I had in my notes an apology, an apology that I wasn't a father. But uh, I'm going to choose not to apologize because um, <clears throat> I think Pastor knew this, obviously. And uh, by the way, hey, let's hit the pause button and maybe lighten the mood a little bit. Abby's not pregnant, you know. <laughs> Today is not the day, all right. <laughs> and Abby said yesterday, she's like, mm, "Babe, I think maybe you should mention something <laughs> because maybe you'll you you do this, you know you do, <laughs> because maybe you'll say something and people are gonna get you know the wrong idea." I said, "Okay, I'll I'll say something. Uh, today's not the day." Abby's not pregnant. So for the rest of my sermon, no, I am not leading you on to something else. No, do not take what I say and read between the lines because, no, that is not, not today. Not, not happening today. It would have been cool. I even considered it, but not today. <laughs> not happening today. Today is not the day for that. But... As I said, I have 28 years of being a son. This morning, I just want to teach on a son's perspective. Um, what I've seen, this is just what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. And I, I am careful to not teach anything or preach anything that I can't do myself. I'm careful to not, well, well, you know, you, you, don't even, you haven't even been woken up by a two-year-old in the morning. What are you talking about? I'm just careful not to put in things that I don't know. But here's some things that I do know. So I, for the rest of the message, you can say, here's some things that Ryan knows. Here's some things from a son's perspective. Just That's all I am, just a son's perspective. Every point I have this morning will be as if a child is reading it to his dad. And I know that many of you here today if, you, if I say this, that God is your father, you might imagine that God is like your father that you had on earth. You might imagine that God is an alcoholic. You might imagine that God is consistently angry, waiting for you to mess up. And when you do mess up, he's going to strike you down. You might... You might imagine, and, and, and so on. God is too busy with your siblings. God's too busy. Uh, and your needs are not big enough. And God's too busy. And he's, he's helping other people. 
other people in this room. God's helping other people in this room. And, and my needs are, are just not, they don't matter. And, and again, you might imagine, and you might imagine because the view of your dad that you had here on earth. And I, I don't know everybody's dad, and, and this is why I'm, I'm saying this. You might think, for God to love me, I need to follow his commandments and never mess up once. Then he can love me. But this is not true. I want to teach today that this is not your heavenly father. This is not your heavenly father. So I want to teach two, twofold. I have four points for the dads here today. I'm going to read them like a dad, like a son is talking to his dad or a daughter. Like a daughter is talking to their dad. Like a son is talking to their dad. And my other four points is for everyone here to learn something how God is your father. You have a heavenly father. All-powerful, all-knowing father who never makes mistakes, that has time for you. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm like saying my points. He's time for you, and he loves you unconditionally. But that's the plan today. So 2 Corinthians 6, 18 is our first verse. 2 Corinthians 6, 18 Sorry, Nathan. You back to the verse, Nathan. I'll just turn this off. Something's, something's wonky. 2 Corinthians 6.18. The Lord says, and I will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You might, you might wonder, well, where does... You know, I know God has the title Father, capital F. Uh, you know, God has the title, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But uh, in this verse it tells us, I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. So you can think to yourself, well, Ryan, you know, Father's Day might be kind of tough. I just didn't have a very good father. I didn't have a very good dad. You can be honest, but... Well, I'm here to teach you today that God is the ultimate father. God is the ultimate father. Now, point number one. Go ahead, Nathan. Point number one. Dad, the times I need you most will not be the most convenient times. The times when I need you most will not be convenient. 1 Samuel 3, 7. I'll read this. 1 Samuel 3, 7. Now Samuel did and did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, thou didst call me. Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be. If ye call thee, then thou shalt say, I want you to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went to lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. I know that I could have used different examples, and I don't, I don't want to shoot down this example. But I know that Eli and Samuel is not father and son. I know. But anyway, this was not the most convenient time. 
for God to be calling Samuel. Eli was trying to sleep. And uh, I, have a, I have an old dog that likes to paw on the cage at 2 in the morning because she thinks there's a bunny rabbit outside or smells something and uh, wants out at 2 in the morning. And what do you know, Abby just kind of, and then she rolls over. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, it's, it's, anyway, it gets really annoying really quickly. And Samuel could say, excuse me, Eli could say, Samuel, not right now is the most convenient time. We're just trying to fall asleep. I'm just trying to go to bed. And, uh, you know, if God was really might be calling you, that would be in the temple. That would be in the church. Uh, now's not a good time. But Samuel went to Eli <clears throat> and said, you called me. You need me for something. And Eli thought, this is the voice of the Lord. It has to be. And I, I so appreciate, and I'm going to purposely get ahead of myself again, that Eli pointed Samuel to Jesus. Eli pointed Samuel to God. Eli wasn't involved in bringing himself into light, bringing himself into glory, or even getting in the way. Remember when Jesus said, uh, make every way for a child to come to me. Man, I'm, I'm using my own words. Do you, can somebody help me here? Um, uh, for, forget not the children to come unto me. Suffer not, thank you. Suffer not the little children to come unto me. And all that means is just make every way possible for children to come to me. And Samuel made the way. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I know that you may already know this, Dad. But the time, from the time when an infant wakes you up with a blood-curdling scream in the crib, I want you to grab baby Ayla and say, now's not a good time. This is not in my schedule. Right now is not convenient. <clears throat> you know, I worked all day, or your mom worked all day. Your mom's tired, I'm tired, we're tired. Baby Elise, now's not a good time. Now's not a good time. Go back to bed. And we can laugh at this, and this is supposed to be funny. But as funny as it is, when we get older... And it's time to discipline your child. It's time to have a teaching moment. It's time to have a heart-to-heart. -heart. It's time to ask forgiveness from them. And especially this. They are brokenhearted, and they need the love and support of their dad. Please, engrave this in your mind. The times when those things happen will not be convenient. They will not fit into your schedule. Because the grass will always need mowed. The, the projects will always be done. It seems like there will always be a light out, a faucet to fix. There will always be a game on it. I love watching sports. There will always be a game. By the way, we're running out of excuses when our TVs can record things and we can pause those games. So we're running out of excuses to you know, the time will never be convenient. Even from an infant to a preteen to a teenager, I'm 28 years old, and not every time I call my dad is a time when it's really convenient for him. 
Not every time I need him is a time when it's really convenient, when he has me in his schedule. But I really want to drive home that do not be surprised when the time when your child needs you is not convenient. Remember to prioritize, fathers, because it's not more important to cut the grass or do the other things I mentioned. But, but take the time to fulfill your child's needs. And if, if that's discipline, correction, if, if they're crying, if, and if so on and so on, be there for them. From the time your child grasped their first breath, you became a 24-7, 365 parent. You will always be a parent. You can clock in at work and clock out. You can have meetings at the church. We have a meeting at 11 a.m. at the church this morning. And then we're going to leave and have lunch. We're going to come and we're going to go. But you are always, always, always a parent. Always. And there will not always be a convenient time when your child, children need you. It might not fit into your schedule, but this is a part of being a parent. Uh, it's just sacrifice. I just have that as one word with a period. Sacrifice. That's a part of being a parent. Letter, uh, letter A. God our Father is always there for us at all times. It is never inconvenient. Never. It is never inconvenient to call upon God. No matter the time of day. No matter your need. No matter if, well, I don't want to bother God, this small little thing might be really bothering me. Your Father is there for you. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is nigh unto all of them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. The Lord is close, nigh, near to those that call upon him. And it is never a bad time. God is always there. God doesn't have to go to, God doesn't have to go to work. <laughs> it's funny to say that. God doesn't have to go to work. He is always there for you. There's always a good time. You know, and you might think again, well, Ryan, you don't know my dad. He was absent. He was gone. He was away. And, and so on. You know, because I know during Father's Day we think of our fathers. And I don't know everybody's dad. But can you, can you know this today that God is here for you? God's there for you. And no matter what experience you had with your dad, being there for you or not, or having time for you or not, God, your father, always has time always there for you, and he will always be a father to you. And that's very comforting to me. It's even comforting for me, even when I have a dad that is there for me. Because if my dad falls short, if, if, if he can't answer the phone, if something happens, I still have my heavenly father, no matter what. I still have my heavenly father. Number two, dad, do not reward my bad behavior, but prove to me your love by correcting me. Ephesians 6, 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. According to the great Dr. Phil, 
This is rule number one for parents. Yeah, I'm sure mom never thought I would have quoted Dr. Phil in a sermon, you know, but we're marking things off the to-do list here. Rule number one for parents is do not reward bad behavior. Now you know who I get my sermons from. I added this point here because it will match my first point. If I could combine the two, it would read, Dad, when I need correction and discipline, it will not be always convenient for you. (laughs) I can take two points and put them together, which is why I did one and two. Oftentimes, when bad behavior is had, it is the easy way to give in to what your child needs, uh, really the quickest path to quit the screaming and crying and things like that. But I implore you to stop and take the time to correct and discipline. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was spanked as a child, and uh, I'm sure you, you may know that. Maybe I'm just such a bad kid. And some of the worst spankings ever, and I want to I see who can relate to this. Some of the worst spankings ever was when mom said, I'm just waiting until dad gets home. Yeah, anybody else? You can raise your hand. Yeah, I see Kurt back there. I see that hand. I see that hand. You just wait. You just just wait until Dad gets home. And I prayed, like, God, slow down the clock. (laughs) You know? Dad gets off at 4 p.m. God, it, uh, oh, man, I'm going to pack my bags and take my He-Man and leave and uh, hide in the shed or something. Dad comes home at this time. I want my dad to know this today, and I I want every dad to know this today. I never thought for one second my dad doesn't love me. Never. I never had that thought. And even as he was coming home, and mom called him and said, you need to take care of your son. Great. Even as he was coming home, I never once thought that. I never thought, well, dad doesn't love me. He's about to correct me. He's about to give me a whooping and, and, and correct me and, and change the way I was going. I never thought that. And maybe as an eight-year-old, I would not have said this, but I know that he corrected me because he loved me. Maybe, kids, you don't understand that today. But even as a teenager, I think that clicked. He doesn't correct me and give me spankings because he hates me. He doesn't let me do the fun things and things, mischievous things that I want to get into just because he wants to bear me down and have no fun. No, that's not the reason. He gives me rules because he loves me. He gives me correction because he loves me. And I know as as an adult, I can see that. As a child, you may not always be able to see that. Letter B. God does not reward bad behavior, but he corrects who he loves. God, our Father, is the same parent. He corrects who he loves. He doesn't reward bad behavior. Hebrews 12.6, Hebrews 12.6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Uh, The next verse, If If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as his sons. 
For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Next verse. But he, if ye be without chastisement, whereof ye are all partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Let's go back to verse 6, please. I'll just preach on this. The Lord loves you by correcting you, by chasing you, scourging you, because he loves you. Not because he, he wants to, oh, just wait until they mess up. Oh, God, boom. That's not fun. God's our father. He loves us. And because he loves us, he corrects us. And even as, even as a man that's 50 years old, 60 years old, God still corrects you. Even if you haven't received a whooping from your dad lately, God still corrects adults. God still corrects mothers. God still corrects all of us. He's our father. He will always be our father. He corrects us not because it's fun, not because he's a mean God, but because he loves us. Next verse, please. Verse 7. If you endure, if you have correction, then God is dealing with you as a son or as a child. And what kind of, and for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And it's saying, what kind of father are you, if, if, or what kind of son, are you even a son if your dad doesn't correct you? And, and you know, I, you can learn, I'll get back to my notes, you can learn a few things about God, your father, from this verse. God corrects who he loves. If he doesn't correct you, then this might be an implication that you are not his. It might be a, an implication that you are not his child if he doesn't correct the wrong thing that you are doing. And maybe I am reading in between the lines in this verse, but I could say God would be acting as a poor father if he never corrected. God would be a lousy father if he never corrected us. And, and I, I would get this from this verse. I have seen this firsthand in my life from the outside looking in. Uh, I need to be very particular and, and careful with the words I say going forward. Uh, I knew of people around me where their father never corrected them or disciplined them. Not only did the children feel not loved, but they did not feel security or safety. And these children were uh, 10, 12, and 13, I think. Maybe 8. 8, 12, and 13. And even these young children, those ages, knew that their parents did not love them a whole lot because they were never corrected. And it, 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 it clicked with them. Because you might think, well, uh, any child's best dream is complete and utter freedom. You know? But the chi a child can see. A child's smarter sometimes than what, we, than what we don't. And these children did not feel security and they did not feel safe. Because they were never corrected. But uh, God our Father corrects us believers like a parent does a child because he loves us. And ultimately, he's bringing us to a better, more perfect walk with him. That's the reason of the correction. That's the reason of the discipline. Not because it's fun, 
but to bring you to a closer and better walk with him, a better relationship with God, your heavenly father. That is the reasoning behind the correction. So let's continue on. Number three, dad, show me an example of what a loving relationship is with mom. Show me. Show me an example of love. Because I'm, I'm watching. By loving mom. 1 Corinthians 13.1. You remember this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. And I, I don't have charity. I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy. I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And I have all faith. I'm a strong and mighty dad. And I can remove mountains. But I don't have charity. I don't have love. I am nothing. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I don't have charity, I, I don't do it with love, it profits me nothing. Charity suffers long. It's kind. And Dad, I want you to read this thinking, does this describe me? <clears throat> charity suffereth long. It's kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth. It doesn't boast itself, and it is not puffed up. Verse 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked, and it thinks no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity, it never faileth. God's perfect love, it never fails. I have preached on these verses before, and some of you might remember, I preached a sermon entitled, How's Your Love Life? And it was on this, it was on 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It was on these eight verses that we went over. So let me just give a very quick review. Charity comes from the Greek word agape, which is ultimately a sacrificial love, not wanting anything in return. Dad, do you love mom with charity? Do you, do you respect her? Do you honor her? And let's pause there. Let's pause right here. I can't think of a time when it is ever appropriate to mock or degrade your spouse in front of your children. Oh, why am I crying? <laughs> There's never a time when it is the right time or an appropriate time to mock or degrade your spouse in front of your children. Never. Now, let me say that again. There is never a time to mock or degrade your spouse. Period. Never. Never a good time. Especially in front of your kids. You know, I appreciate the parents that I have. Um, I'd be careful not so much to use my parents as, as an example in the sermon, but um, I just want you to know I, I never heard dad say, well, you know, on your mom, like, never. He never said that. There's times when dad and I were alone, maybe we we're in the car, maybe we were doing anything. I, there, there is never, ever a memory of dad saying, oh, here, mom, man, she just, she's just a headache today. Never. 
You know, I'll, I'll say the same thing. I, have, I never have a memory of my mom doing the same thing to dad. Never. Those words never came. And I want to encourage you fathers and, and parents, uh, watch what you say, especially around your kids. And because they're always watching, they're always listening, and they're gleaning and gaining up what is appropriate, what is an appropriate way to talk to my mom? Because dad does. Well, dad says this. Dad raises his voice. Things like that. We need, we need to think. <laughs> this is one of Abby's favorite things. Think before you speak. Think. Man, I've, I've, I've mentioned to you like three times in this sermon. Happy Father's Day, Abby. <laughs> I know this famous saying. You know this famous saying, a man will treat his wife the way he treats his mom. Do you know that famous saying? Anybody? It's pretty common. But who teaches a man how to treat his mom? Dad does. Dad, are you teaching me how to love and treat my spouse by the way you are loving and treating mom? Because that, that, is, that is the connection that we're making. And something I can't relate to, I, I know I'm not a father, but I know it is scary to think of the idea of your children dating. I know that's, uh, that's uh, a nervous topic, a scary topic, or uh, something like that, and, and uh, I assume it is, or it's already scary for me, and I'm not even a father. Uh, I know it's awkward conversations. The number one best way to give relationship advice to your children is to live it. It's, uh, it's to live charity. It's to live it. It's to treat their mother with the honor and respect that is due unto her. Never to cut her down. And mother's other way to the father's. Never to cut them down. So then maybe when your children get older... Excuse me, I got a little bit ahead of myself. There are millions of people today in abusive and toxic relationships and marriages. And I begin to wonder if they're only following the path that their parents taught them. Maybe, and I'm not saying that in every case. I'm just saying, well, this is the way my dad said something to my mom, and this is the way they did it. And maybe they're just following the same path. Dad, be an example of love in your house. That when your daughter begins dating, she will know, well, I'm not even going to consider this man unless he treats me the, w <laughs> the way that dad treats me. Man, why? Why? <laughs> I don't know why. But uh, anyway, dad, be an example to your son of sacrificial love. Not looking for what your son can get out of his spouse, but showing his spouse, I love you so much as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I love you so much. You know, it, it, so what I'm saying, maybe, maybe I'll give you a little bit of a comfort. Maybe this dating topic, scary talk, doesn't have to be so scary if I'm living it. And when, again, I know I said it already, but when your daughter goes to 
date a man or considering uh, a man to marry, should it not be, well, he has to treat me the way dad treated mom. He has to love me the way that dad loved mom with all his heart. And even when she made mistakes and even when she didn't, she came up short a few times because human beings do that. He still loved her no matter what. I want that kind of marriage. I want that kind of a, a boyfriend. I want that kind of a husband. And so on and so on. It is being an example in your home of love. So, continuing. Uh, letter C, I think. Letter C. When I see a healthy and loving relationship between mom and dad... I will grow in understanding how God, my Father, loves me. Go, buddy, go. When I see a healthy and loving relationship of mom and dad, I will grow in understanding of how God loves me. And then, now you can read 1 Corinthians 13.1 again, and you can go through it. Go to, Nathan, go to um, Charity Suffereth Long. Thank you. Charity suffereth long. Again, I, I'm, I already preached this, but this is the love that God loves us with. When I see dad loving mom unconditionally, it starts to click that God loves me unconditionally. When I see that mom can't, mom can't perform enough things to make dad love her anymore, I understand that I can't do anything to make God love me more because God loves me throughly and through all all consuming love and we don't have to read all of 1 Corinthians 13 1 through 8 but this can always be pointed at us and say God loves us with this love God loves me his love's long suffering God doesn't puff himself up and, ver and, you know, line after line, he rejoices not in, in, in iniquity. He rejoices in truth. He beareth all my things. He hopeth all things. And God's love toward me will never fail. When I see dad loving mom unconditionally, it gives me an example right to my eyes. How God loves me unconditionally. It's right in front of me. So, amen. I'm, I'm enjoying this even, even though I'm preaching it. Number four. <laughs> Excuse me. Number four, Dad, this is your one job. Um, excuse me. Thank you. Point me to Jesus. You know, you can almost take the rest of the sermon... And take it out. <laughs> and take it away. Dad, if you are going to bring home anything, anything for this sermon, I'm going to point my kids and people around me to Jesus. That's my job. Mom, that's your job too. I know, I know it's Father's Day and I'm preaching to fathers. But this is your job too. Point me to Jesus. 
John 1, 6. John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all the men through him might believe. He was not the light. John wasn't the light. See that the light, capital L, you might indicate who it's talking about. John wasn't the light. He wasn't the light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light, capital L. Uh, and then now go to John 1, 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I used this example because it's an example of someone, uh, when we see, we see John was born, there is an angel. This is John the Baptist, by the way. There is an angel that came and said, you're going to have a son. He's going to be very, very special. But he's not the main guy. He's only pointing to the main guy. And of course, Dad, you know where I'm going with this. You're not the main guy. You're supposed to point me and lead me to the main father, the real father. Now, I, as, I, as I read this, you know, I, I wasn't the light. I was only a reflection of the light. You know, remember that capital L, light? I wasn't the light. I was a reflection of that light. I was only supposed to reflect Jesus. And pointing others to Jesus. If I could summarize this, John 3.30. If I could summarize pointing others to Jesus, John 3.30. Is that not in there? Sorry about that. I do want it on the screen, so bear, bear with us a second. As John 3, verse 30. Happy Father's Day. There you go. He must increase, and I must decrease. To summarizing, you know, uh, John the Baptist, he must increase, Jesus, and I must decrease. Dad, your father, your, whew, your sons and daughters are looking up to you. I did not have to preach this morning. I didn't have to preach to you saying, do you know how important your job is? Because I think you know that. I don't have to preach this morning saying, do you know that everybody's looking at you and you need to be, you know, a, a, a perfect example of, I think you know that. If you're going to do anything, you're going to, I need you to point your sons and daughters to Jesus. How do you do that? God must increase. And I'm going to decrease. <clears throat> Your children must see their dad magnifying God. Making God bigger. <laughs> Not as if he could get any bigger. But making God bigger in his, their eyes. Look, dad isn't saying, follow me. Dad is saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. I, I just need to get smaller. Dad, this morning, 
Father's Day message, I'm not here to make you bigger. I'm not. I'm not here to pump you up. <laughs> Although I love, I love dads, love my dad. I'm not here to build you up. I'm here to remind you this is your job. This is your one job. Pointing others to Jesus. Not only your sons and daughters, but your coworkers, your people around you, your family members. It doesn't have to stop with our family. I need to get smaller so God can get bigger. That's my job. Today, I could have taken the time. I don't know if you've noticed. I could have taken the time to tell you stories of my dad and I. Stories of life lessons. Stories that will make you laugh. Stories that will make me cry. <laughs> Maybe some of you will cry too. And so on. I could have taken the last hour praising my dad and lifting him up. Really becoming almost similar to a funeral service. I could have taken the last hour and said how he was and and how he loves me, and all throughout. But my dad didn't teach me to do that. He didn't teach me to point to him. I have a dad that's just a pointer. I have a dad that's just a pointer. He points me, my sister, my mother, and those around him. At his work, people will come to him and say, hey, I know you go to church, would you pray for me? All he does, he points others to Jesus. And you know, I never thought for one second, hey, it's Father's Day. Now's the time I'm going to tell this great funny story and lift my dad up and build him up. And, and I wasn't told to do that. I wasn't taught to do that. Because dad, my dad was following God. Pointing to God and saying, this is your father. I'm only learning from God. And when I fall and I make mistakes, that's, that's where I'm learning from. So if you go uh, to the slide that's kind of blank, has no words on it. This is my dad and I. We were singing the exact song that Nathan sang today. The exact song that this is dad and I singing. I don't know how old I am. But I want to bring out a lyric in that song, the next slide. Right now, from where he stands, I might look tall, especially in that picture. But it's only because I'm learning from the greatest father of them all. Dad, your, your one job is to point others and bring others to God. Bring others to Jesus. And I, I hope today, I, I purposely didn't try and pressure dads saying, hey, you need to be super dad. You need to do this great. You need to, everybody's watching you. You need to lead and you need to, you need to point others to Jesus. How about that? You don't, you don't need to be Superman almighty and put the team on your back and plow. You just need to rely on Jesus, just like the rest of us. You do, your job is to rely on Jesus. Rely on him. I'm only learning from God, my father. How do you be a great dad? Only learn from God, your father. Only follow him. 
And while you're doing that, point others to Jesus. Letter D, God is the ultimate father. God is the ultimate father. John 10, 29. My father which gave me them me is greater than all. This is Jesus speaking. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hands. My father's great. My heavenly father. He's powerful. He's all-knowing. All-powerful. He's in all places. He hears me when I pray. He's always there for me. He is the ultimate father. He loves me with an everlasting love and with grace. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has given, has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. I almost started singing the song. You know the song? Uh, there's a song that goes with this verse. Anyway. Wow, what great love the Father has given unto us if that only we are called his sons and daughters. That is great love. God is the ultimate father. If you ever want to learn anything of fatherhood, uh, maybe it's outside of books, but it's inside of this book. Ultimate fatherhood. We are to lead our families to the one who is leading us. We are to lead our families to the ones that is leading us. God is our ultimate father. God takes care of us. I want to finish um, very quickly with 3 John 1.4. As a dad, you might be able to say, I don't have any greater joy than to know or to hear that my children walk in truth. Nothing makes me happier than to know that my children, sons and daughters, they walk in truth. And that's true for the dads today. Any dad, do you want to say amen to this verse? I was waiting for an amen. <laughs> there, there's nothing that makes me happier, brings me more joy, than to know that my children are walking with God. And that's the truth. It's the truth. So follow God, your Father, as others are following you. And point... <coughs> others to God, the ultimate Father. All right, I'll, I'll finish there. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I thank you for being my Father. And I thank you, Lord, that when my dad fell short, when he wasn't there, when he wasn't available, God, you were always there and you're still there now. And Lord, thank you for this reminder today. I didn't preach a sermon that we have to be super dads, that we have to put everything on our shoulders. But, Lord, I only preached that we are to point to you, that we are to lead our families to you, the ultimate father, and not to us. I pray that, I pray that you will bless your uh, dad, bless the dads, uh, uh, excuse me, God bless the dads who are here today. Bless them. and. And, Lord, I pray that they will rely on you and not themselves, as I have found myself doing, relying on myself but not on you. And, Lord, I just pray a, a special love and blessing over the fathers today that are here today. 
Would you stand with me, please? Let's have a time of, of invitation, a, a time to...